0: You have nothing off limits
1: oh let down to everything's off, <laughs> on limits it just depends on how forthcoming you can be with <laughs> yeah. the details i guess is you know the way you want to put it
0: yeah have you is this uh i always wonder if this is everyone's first podcast when they come on to sandcast um, like is like this is my football. first one yeah 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 big day <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, this should be my fifth at this point right <laughs> <laughs> seriously
0: tried to make it happen well for uh I have a little the, busy schedule for the listeners and viewers like. who uh, who don't recognize the face or the voice this is scott davenport the busiest man in beach volleyball <laughs> i think it's funny because people will assume that i'm one of the busier people in beach volleyball because like today for example i commentated from 5 to 10 30 yep. and then i wrote the story on what i commentated and then i lifted and then i came straight here all of those surrounding beach volleyball, but I get to like switch tasks. Right. You're just, you're coaching and coaching and coaching. 24 streams packed and and then parenting. parenting. So yeah, I just
1: go between the two.
0: (laughs) So how many athletes are you currently working with?
1: Uh, Three teams, two women's, uh, one men's, and then I work some junior athletes. And then whoever calls and needs help, if I can fit it in, I'll do it. Yeah. So your current teams are Emily Stock and Megan Kraft.
0: Yep. And Sarah Sponsor, Therese, Therese Cannon. And then now you have Troy, Troy and Field Evan. and Evan Corey. Yep. That's going to be fun. New Exciting team. fun team, yeah. Yeah. Good guys, fun
1: personalities on court. Yeah. Off court, yeah. What did you think of their debut at the Pan Am's? Well, I mean, I wouldn't put much weight into the results because mm. we basically had two practices together. And we were kind of looking at that tournament as a practice tournament to figure out what are some of the things we need to work on communication wise, yeah. you know, system wise kind of figure each other out, how they work together and stuff like that. So I thought they played well, considering we really had no system in place. We had <laughs> right. nothing situationally figured out at all. It was just right. like, Hey, what's your set look like? <laughs> yeah. You know, and then just kind of go after after it.
0: each set. It was like, was that, was that
1: good? Is that bad? Right. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, you guys are making terrible calls. I oh, don't work on that either. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. As a coach, like what's the, um, what's the first step that you
1: take when you get a new team? It depends. Like with, it depends if it's a new, new team, yeah, like a brand new team, or if I've worked with a player of the team okay. previously, or worked with both of the players previously, and then they kind of came together. Yeah, It's like an example, Kalinski and Stockman, when they came together, they were working separately with different partners at the time before the splits happened, but I was working with both of them. Yeah. So that was more of a seamless kind of merge, because they both were doing the same systems, techniques, verbiage, all that fun stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just you got to get them together to figure out what do you like? What do you like your sets? What kind of offense do you want to run? You know, and then defensively work on that stuff as well. But, I don't know. We're used to going to four-year cycles, and it, there's phases to every one of the years. Yeah. Which you're super aware of. But Yeah. And, it, well, it's funny. I feel like COVID threw
0: off so many things for so many reasons because now all the new partnerships had one less year to dial in.
1: Yeah, for this squad. Yeah. And the last squad had an extra year. Right. (laughs) Which could be detrimental or could be beneficial. It really depends, yeah. I
0: think that changed a lot, especially on the women's side, because you look at Sarah and Melissa, they were dialed. Yeah. And then whatever reason, it just like things started not falling apart, but it wasn't as good as it was going in. And Sarah, we we had her on the podcast. She's like, I'm pretty sure that if COVID didn't happen, I'd be an Olympic gold medalist. That's just the way things go.
1: Yeah. Most likely, they, we were definitely hitting our stride. We were yeah. in a good place. I mean, it was a an epic prize fight every time we went up against April and Alex. Oh, so, so fun. You never know. It's fun to watch, fun to be a part of. But yeah, you just never know how that's going to come out. Yeah, it could go either way. So to guarantee you'd be an Olympic gold medalist, I don't know. Yeah, it's impossible. Good chances for sure, but yeah, it's always a battle. In the Olympics, just with
0: the, like <clears throat> the pool play and the way the draws work out after pool, yeah. you never know. Because like, Phil and Nick played Allison and Bruno in the quarterfinals, and everyone kind of understood that that was like the de facto gold medal match. Yep. It should have been the gold medal match. Should have been, yeah. But it could have been Mel and Sarah and April and Alex in the quarter. just, you never know the way the draw is working out. Well, it was
1: Agatha the last two uh, Olympics lost <laughs> in pool play when she wasn't probably supposed to lose. Right. Two seed gets knocked down. So, yeah, it just changes kind of the dynamic of the playoffs. Yeah. Gosh, I want the Olympics to go to double OM. You th- eh, will they do it though? Because like the teams that don't usually get to participate in those games, they want to give them inclusion and they want right. to get a matches against those teams and exposure. You still get two matches <laughs> instead of three. It would be a shorter tournament. I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> right. And I always wonder,
0: man, is it like, is it good for Morocco to lose, you know, to, well, the Moroccan men, they competed. Okay. Right. But is, it, is it good for like last year, Mozambique was in the world champs to lose like 21, four, 21, that?
1: I don't think it's good for them. Yeah. I think the experience they get to have and like uh sponsor was talking about it. Cause she went to Kenya yeah. recently. Yeah. And she said just the joy that they had being at the Olympics, you know, and that perspective of saying, wow, this is so cool for you guys. And like, we've worked hard to get there. Obviously it yeah. wasn't the same path, but you're just enjoying just being here. The experience was amazing. And you know, to short that from people. Yeah. I don't think it's fair, but yeah, just to, create a better competitive i mean let's be honest world champs is the hardest tournament yeah you know so should we tweak that and make it open like it is currently for don't don't keep it to four teams uh, a country so it's a a true world championships i don't know yeah good questions but
0: i think man it's so hard (laughs) because if you were god what would you do (laughs) 64 team double and open it up right but then that provides a host of other issues like money and Right, (laughs) and is it feasible to do yeah so that's beach volleyball for you always but you you work with so many different personalities yeah like i mean you run the full spectrum from someone like a sponsor who's one of the most competitive people i know now you add a troy field who's competitive but also one of the goofiest people i know (laughs) and you have everyone still getting to know him so i I can't speak to (laughs) you and then you get every everyone in between do you tweak your coaching style for each kind of player, because then you get Sweet Therese, who's a phenomenal blocker, but also just like so
1: nice. <laughs> she's she's got a side to her though that yeah. it's kind of like Mel, rainbows and unicorns, but like get her on the court and <laughs> she wants to cut you and win, right? <laughs> you know. But I mean, I I don't tweak it necessarily. I think you just get to know the athletes, yeah. You know, and know what they need and how their personalities work, and just kind of work within the confines of their personalities and the dynamic between the two, which takes years to build, but... Yeah. Yeah.
0: It seems like uh, Sarah and Therese are kind of hitting it.
1: Yeah. Um, we had some bumps in the road at the beginning of the year. They learned some things. <laughs> <laughs> T learned some things as an athlete. She didn't yeah. want to hear from us, but she realized that there were the right things. We had to keep doing these things. And Sarah went to Africa. And we had made a joke. We're like, I think we have to make an annual trip now. <laughs> <laughs> like you go to Africa, you come back, you're just like a different person. You know? But no, I think she gained some massive perspective, life perspective from that, and it was really good to see, you know, her as a person, just be like, wow, this is. It doesn't have to be all about volleyball. There's right. more to life. Yeah. You know. So I think that gave her a different perspective on sports. You know. And they came back, and we came together, and yeah, they're playing pretty consistent. And I think that's all you need to do is play consistent and get a couple pops here in there they're really good
0: yeah i think teresa is one of the few people i've seen who could win the most improved player like three years in a row
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't tell her that <laughs> yeah. yeah she keeps getting better at things i mean she's got a massive ceiling obviously and you know she came in pretty raw to the sport yeah you know didn't have a lot of years at, at usc but you know she's she's done a lot of work put a lot of work in her story's pretty cool <clears throat> Just upstate new york my hometown
0: too you're upstate New York too? You're a Rochester? Yeah. Guy? I that's, didn't that's know. That's why that. I
1: picked to work with her. I wasn't, it wasn't an accident. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Wait, how long did you grow up there for? I was there for 22 years. Wow. Yeah. Where'd you go to college? I went to IPFW, played there for a year, and then bounced back. Mastodon. Like yeah. You know, Great mascot. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a fun place to play it too. It was like always a packed house. Yeah. Um, bounced back to New York for a year. My dad passed away. Then I moved out here and just gave it a go.
0: Wow. What made you want to come out here?
1: It was weird. There was a place called Hot Shots in Rochester that was okay. an indoor beach volleyball facility. Okay, where we all went and played, and it was Mike Dodd, Adam Johnson. I think Mike Whitmarsh came out, and they did like an exhibition. We got to play against them. Yeah, you know, for a match. And I asked Mike. I was like, "Hey, I know this is like super random, but like, do you think I would have a chance if I came out and gave it a go?" And he's like, "Maybe." He's like, "You got a lot of work to do, obviously, yeah. but." You can't do it here. Right. He's like, so if you want to give it a shot, you got to move out there. And so, yeah, I just, I said, why not? No give kidding. Yeah. I didn't know that. It, cu- it couldn't be worse. It couldn't be worse than where I was. Right. <laughs> I mean, nine <laughs> months of winter, uh, you, know. <laughs> you know, you're from these guys. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So Man, took the so you, shot and it just kind of worked out. So you were 22
0: when you popped out here? I was
1: about 24 when I finally okay. came out. Yeah. So it was 96. That's a big move. It was. A buddy of mine came out with me. So that was kind of cool. Yeah and so we had you know that working and we were down in San Clemente for probably like four or five years okay and then the playing people the people down there the groups just kind of like dissipated and there wasn't a lot of guys to- yeah guys down there but luckily I got to go out with Karch and Adam and Kent and those guys who yeah I learned a lot <laughs> dude I learned so much it was like the best place to be and Todd Amati one of the guys that was a qualifier guy back in the day he's like you got to move there he's like you can go to LA he's like but if you come down here and you're fortunate enough to work your way onto the courts with those guys. Yeah. So you're going to learn so much.
0: Because they were all Laguna guys, right? Or was that? Uh, Capistrano, okay. like San Clemente. Uh, yeah. Adam
1: was Laguna, but he would come down when he partnered with Karch. And, you know, obviously where Karch is training, people are going there. Right. <laughs> so he wasn't traveling to LA. He, he, he was his own magnetic <laughs> yeah, force. Yeah, he's like, hey, you want to practice? Come come to my courts.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That had to have been a hard move to make because just, in my experience, growing up in a small town, making a move to somewhere like California. It's like
1: California. It was big. It's a big yeah, thing. It's a big move. yeah But I mean, you got to take a shot at something, right? Yeah. It's your dream. You're going to go for it and see what works out.
0: How did uh, how did you make the move? Did you just, because like Ryan Doherty knew nothing. So he just came <laughs> out with, yeah, I think he had five grand in his bank account, yep. stopped in Vegas, blew 2,500 at Jesus. the craps tables, <laughs> and then he popped down and got a job as like, a, he was a pizza delivery boy. Right. And, to, and he made that work until he won, him and Casey won an NVL. The beat fell on Todd, and he's like, All right, I think I'm, done pizzas. I'm done delivering pizza. I'm done delivering pizzas. <laughs> Good
1: for him. But everyone
0: does it so different. Some people just leave, like, no safety net, nothing. Some people have a job lined up.
1: Yeah, I had some money in the bank, which helped. Um, but I also had a line on a job <clears throat> as a personal trainer. I came in okay. contact with somebody in Florida who was down in Florida for about three months before I came out. Met this guy, he was an inventor. He came up with this exercise technology, and he sold some out here in California, one person in Newport. Went up in uh, in Hollywood area, and he's like, "Hey, I need someone to train these people because it's com- it's complicated and they don't know how to use it." So it was instant income, and I was so that kind of helped a lot. Yeah. Too.
0: yeah, that helps a lot when you have that helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and you came out. So you came out '96. You said '96. Yeah. Tough time to come out for beach volleyball. Yeah. Because that was both the the height and then the
1: precipitous fall. <laughs> yeah, it's a running joke when people ask me. I was like, if I had. I, I calculated the finishes that I had my very first year in nine, I think it was 97 or 98 first full-time year. And based on the previous non-bankruptcy year, yeah. I was like, I would have made like 80 grand. Oh no! Instead I made like 10.
0: Oh man. And 10 grand today. If you're making 10 grand <laughs> yeah. in prize money today, I mean, you're
1: rolling. Oh no, it's for the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not for you. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it was, it was a rough time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How, uh, how long did you end up sticking with it? Cause that's, there's like, Two of those phases, right, there's the end of the 90s where you had that bankruptcy and then you had the end of the, like the 2010 era yep. where there's very few holdovers from the guys who were playing very well in 08, 09, and then 2010 hit. And then you had the holdovers, a few who made it to through 2013. How did you kind of bridge that gap? I mean, I was working the whole
1: time. Yeah. You I know, mean, I was never a full-time player, Yeah. unfortunately, but not everybody can really. Right. I mean, very few. Yeah, How many players would you estimate?
0: can, like can all, do it full-time yeah
1: usually they can earn their way to be full-time but they have to start to start full-time you've got to have support like you got a family yeah you know they're helping you out or whatever or just independently wealthy yeah you know but it's it's a low percentage i think now yeah. it's different obviously with the usa funding yeah it helps a know, lot it helps a lot of people out so they can dedicate more time to it which is great but back then I don't know, like top 1% <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who had sponsors and were making money. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And now it's, now it's tough. Do you travel with your teams a lot?
1: I do more than I'd like, but <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's, you know, I've been doing it since what, 2009 or 10. So it's, okay. it's a lot, it's a yeah. lot of travel for that many years. And then two kids at home, it's tough, but I go as much as I can, Yeah, you know, as much as I can get them looked after and. And then you yeah. got uh, – is Chris on the road right now? Chris is. He's
0: in Latvia right now with okay. Emily and Meg. And yeah. that's Chris Flood for the listeners who don't know. Need- uh, any,
1: any pro <laughs> players who need a coach, Chris is looking for a dedicated team. Yeah. He does fantastic work with us, but he wants to spread his wings. So.
0: He's had a lot of high-level experience.
1: Dude, he's been – he worked with me, guys, been like six, seven years. How did you guys get together? Do you know Gary Barnes, the name? Yes. Yeah. So Gary, longtime friend player. Yeah. He was doing some lessons with me and he brought Chris out. He was new to the area. He yeah. just came out to do practices with me and we were doing stuff and he kind of liked what we were saying and then he, I was like, dude, if you want to help, anytime, come help, learn while we're talking, you know, learn as much as you can. He started coming, started helping. Uh, he had experience doing that in Kentucky too in Louisville, Louis, uh, University of Louisville as a just an arm at practice. Okay. Um, so yeah, he just started learning the game and then he's he was trying to play at the same time and he's like, what do you think? I was like, you can make more money coaching and be around everything you want to be around and not beat yourself up physically. Yeah. And you can still play part time if you want and then go out there and, you know, right. make your main draw or whatever your goal is. I'm like, or you can go beat yourself up and then eventually you're going to do this anyways, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause you got the brain for it. You got the eye for it. Right. So you just started doing it more full time and, I was really good at it. Yeah.
0: And he, uh, it's funny whenever I'm commentating, they'll always pan over and do little shots of the crowd. I'm like,
1: ah, oh, there he is. I knew <laughs> he'd be there.
0: <laughs> yeah. No,
1: he's good. He's been super helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Emily and Meg are having a pretty good run in Lafayette sure right now. Yeah. They're doing all right.
1: Lost the Heartbreaker to China, but.
0: But that bad, it's so weird. The second match of Modified Pool in a 2014 draw is so strange because if you win your first, it's just for seeding. Sometimes if you win, you kind of screw yourself. Well, yeah, you never know, right? Yeah. It's a draw. Because that's what, in Virginia Beach, me and JD, we lost to Sean Cook and Jake Dietrich in our second. Mm -hmm. And that was the best thing we could have done.
1: Oh, was it pool play there too? Yeah. So the the tour tour series
0: was switched to the same as challenges. Okay. And so Jake and Sean end up getting a way tougher draw, (laughs) both in the first and second round. And then me and JD, we still had to win two tough matches, but it wasn't. We would have played Hagen and Logan in the quarters instead of the semis. I was like, because all you need to do to qualify
1: for Hermosa was make the semis. And yep. I was like, thank you. <laughs> it's, I mean, the draw stuff is just so random. Yeah. You know, I don't, I haven't been a big fan of it. I mean, I've been on the good side of it, but a lot of my teams have been on the really bad side of it. Yeah. I don't know. I think you should just keep your seeds. Like, then it's more valuable. Like, you're right. playing for more every match. Right. You know, but Theo always made the running joke God, don't even play the game. It doesn't matter. Well, Save your energy. Did you see their match today? No, <laughs> I commentate. did he not play or just show up and not play. Well,
0: they sh- they were they were, were there. They were on the court <laughs> physically. The, the ghosts of Theo and Trevor were on the court. <laughs> but uh, so it was, they won their first, beat uh, Australia pretty good, and then yeah. they're playing Vandevelde and Immers. And Theo starts out serving, skyballs first ball, and I was oh like, "Oh boy, we're in for it, ladies Jesus. and gentlemen." And yeah. then they just sort of walked around and right. So, and conserving energy. Yeah.
1: It was an active
0: forfeit. Gotcha. <laughs> That's how I would describe that.
1: I think at that point, you might as well just forfeit.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. Maybe there... I don't know if there's a policy with forfeiting. If you need to show like injury or you get fined or whatever. Yeah,
1: but I forget what it is. I think you might only get one. Like freebie, and then it has to be an injury. Okay. Yeah, something like that. A, it was a funny enough to commentate. <laughs> oh, you commentate it. Yeah. Nice. Did he play defense? Split block the whole did time. They too? split. Perfect. Yeah, split the whole time. He got his dream skyball. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> if you were six five, <laughs> <laughs> he can play defense at six eight. He can do it. I mean, if you hit it at him, like he had a couple balls that were hit at him and he got him up. And it was funny because like they were just joking the whole match and the mics are on the court are pretty good. And you could hear him and Trevor laughing and Theo is like more digs than you, Trevor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty funny. He takes pride in his defense. He (laughs) He does. (laughs) We're
0: going to take a quick break from the show. Not just any break. This is the Waiakea Water Break. Now Waiakea has been keeping us hydrated all year long, not just with any ordinary water. This is Hawaiian volcanic water. And all those bottles you saw, what's really cool is that they're made up of 100% post-consumer recycled ocean-bound plastic. So what that means is that each bottle helps remove the equivalent of five bottles from ocean-bound beaches, waterways, and cities. So not just keeping us hydrated, they're helping out the environment too. And try. that's not the only cool thing they're doing. That's right. They're giving back to those in Hawaii through the
1: Kokua Initiative, which supports the local food banks and the nonprofits out there. Another really cool thing is that they make coffee. I'm a big coffee fan, so I'm excited to drink this product. And for every pound of coffee purchased, Waiakea donates a book to a child through its literacy program. So use promo code SANCAST online at waiakea.com to receive 20% off your order. You can also pick some up at 7-Eleven, live healthy, live sustainably, live ethically, live aloha at wayakea.com.
0: This podcast is also brought to you by AG1. That's right. It is the absolute best nutritional supplement on on the planet. No question about it. Try and I, we push our immune systems to the absolute limit. is traveling all over the place. I have a newborn, so I'm not sleeping, and yet... We're both always healthy, and that's honestly because we start our days with AG1 every single day. It's the first thing I do. I make my morning coffee. I put a scoop of AG1 right into a little mixer, throw some creatine in there as well, drink that first thing in the morning, and my immune system is... Off the charts. I've been healthy ever since we started using this, which is about two years that we've been sponsored by AG1. I started drinking it because I knew when I was on the road, I needed to get my veggies in. AG1 is the absolute perfect supplement for that. It is a a daily habit. I drink it literally every single day. Try does too. We've got a little travel package that we bring on the road with us. It is the Number one supplement for nutrition. All great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies, and a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. And that's exactly what we do. It has 75 high-quality ingredients that give me the key daily nutrition and support energy, focus, strength, clarity, you name it. I write with it. I podcast with it. I commentate with a lot more clarity because of it. And, yes, I stay healthy on the court because of it. Now, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packets with your first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com sandcast. I'll say that one more time. That is drinkag1.com sandcast to get your deal today. So check it out. It's honestly... The best supplement I've ever tried, and I've tried an awful lot. AG1 is the only way to go. This podcast is also brought to you by Wilson Volleyball, the greatest volleyball on the planet. There's no doubt about it. I know there's a a couple different manufacturers out there, but Wilson is number one. The NCAA uses it because they know Wilson makes the best product. The AVP uses it because they know Wilson makes the best product. We love it here in the United States. We love it on the AVP tour, and we're seeing it infiltrate a bunch of domestic tours all over the world. You know why? Because Wilson makes the absolute best ball in the world. It's great. It's weatherproof. you got the optics spin technology, so you can be passing jump serves as well as Tri does. I'd say I do, but I don't pass jump serves as well as Tri does. He's been winning tournaments because he's been training with Wilsons, and it's time to get your restock middle of the summer. Summer's just getting started here in the U.S., and so the beaches are going to be open. There's volleyball to be played, and it is to be played with a Wilson volleyball. So put it in order using our discount code SANDCAST-20. All right, that's Sandcast-20. That'll get you 20% off all Wilson orders. That's huge. So get your volleyballs, get your ball carts, get your ball bags, get all of your Wilson equipment today using Sandcast-20 at Wilson Volleyball. So you made the transition from player to coach around like that 09, 10? I, had been, I mean, I've
1: been coaching club indoor forever. Okay. Um, and then I was coaching at a Division two school. Uh, over here at Dominguez. i did that for quite some time as well um and i was doing it while it was kind of tail ending playing okay. and then i continued to do it full time uh, after i kind of stopped i think it was like oh seven or oh eight or something like that and then a buddy was like hey you need any coaching on the beach and i'm like i could i guess yeah came out started helping him and Brooke niles was like you coaching hey can you help us and i was like <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> And she's like, you got to work with Nick. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he just kind of snowballed from there and just picked yeah. up teams. And,
0: yeah. was, it, was it hard to make the switch from playing to coaching? Obviously, you had been coaching
1: the whole time, but to stop playing, I feel like... I, I think that's why it was easier for me because I was coaching the whole time. Okay. You know? And when I stopped playing and was still coaching, it was easier to step back the emotional attachment to what was going on. Because mm-hmm. you, know? you, you know you didn't have any control as a coach, like, I, I can only impact the game so much indoors, right. especially you need a little bit more. Um, but the beach, you're like, I don't know, I can't do anything. I just prepare you guys and right. hopefully get it done. Um, but even indoor, it became easier to detach yourself emotionally. Cause you're just like, you can't control it. You can just help and then just see what happens. Right. You know, but I think if I had been a, like April's doing it now, I don't know how, if you've talked to her about it or not, mm-hmm. but I don't know how she's transitioning. You know, because it was like immediately you're done with playing and now you're coaching. Yeah. Well, April
0: can't sit still. She's got to be doing something productive, (laughs) right? She's growing a baby, and she's like, "I'm going to coach you, and I'm going to coach you, and do this and do that." She's down in Chula Vista right now, coaching some USA thing.
1: (laughs) Good for her. (laughs) It's a lot.
0: (laughs) But she she was funny talking to her about coaching because she she said that she wasn't stressed at all at coaching Betsy and Julia Mm -hmm. in Huntington, but after. She was like, it felt like I'd played a whole tournament. Mm. She's like, just the wear and tear on the body was still hard.
1: Yeah, because it's different. Yeah, like coaching like you don't warm up, you don't stretch out. Right, but you go get a bunch of reps. Yeah, and then you sit and you and get tight. Exactly. <laughs> and then she said she wasn't stressed, but for
0: me, if I were, if I'm just watching Delaney, <laughs> or even like on a smaller scale, try like I get stressed. I'm like, yeah. Why, why'd you do that? <laughs> I can't imagine. Like you, you mentioned that having. Less control on the beach because you can't be in the box on internationally. But that would stress me out having zero control over it. Just yeah, why? (laughs) Don't do that.
1: Yeah. We have I have a good sports psychologist that I've been working with for a long time. So he has helped put things into perspective years ago. Yeah. But I'm a big statistical guy too. Yeah. You know, I'm big data driven and kind of how we do things. So to me it's about the numbers and you know, it's easy unforced like that match they had against China, Emily and Meg. Tons of opportunities to score points. Hitting balls out of bounds but like fractions of inches. Yeah. It's like that's a fifty-fifty coin flip. Like every time you we have this perceived value or perceived probability that we think we control things. Right. You know, this is our sports sports site guy's, you know, kind of way of framing it. He's like, you don't. Like once the ball hits your arms, hits your hands, he's like, flip a coin. You don't know. Right. He's like, you think you might be controlling where you want it to go, and for the most part you can, but yeah. It's still a fifty-fifty. So yeah. If you kinda of approach it that way, it's not so bad. Yeah. Where
0: did you, have you always been kind of more analytically driven? Cause I think you and Jordan Chang is also really big into the stats, which is sort of a rare thing in beach volleyball, mm-hmm. which is sort of as far as sports statistics go is a wasteland, just very little information. You got to yeah. dig it up yourself and make it all on your own for the yeah. most part.
1: Well, I'm coming from the era too, where we had to remember it all Okay. or write it down. Yeah. Like we didn't have video. It was too expensive by a <laughs> right. camera and stuff, too cumbersome. So we had to remember it, you know, and then it just became either guys played by feel or you played by, you know, your memory and and, and making adjustments in real time, knowing what historically a guy would do against you or somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me, it just, there's always the eye test. Yeah. You know, an experienced eye can tell you, yeah, this is what's gonna happen. This is what they're doing. But the data supports that. Yeah. And the data can also drive you to different patterns and different strategies within the patterns. So it's, it's always made more sense to me to like use it. Yeah. And not rely on it, but like use it. Do you ever, uh, do you ever chat with Jeff Alzina? I haven't a long, long time.
0: Cause <laughs> Z is a big video and stats guy. Yeah, I remember when we had him on years ago, it was probably during COVID. Um, he was talking about when he took over the Greece program, yep. um, that it was, he had VHS videos. And he just poured through VHS tapes and VHS tapes. He's like, I was watching 40 hours of VHS a week.
1: (laughs) That's hard. That's like the old click, fast forward, pause. Yeah. And now we have
0: volumetrics and it's just like, go, 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 cut it up. It's so easy. Yeah. Hey,
1: Brian, cut it up for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Now it's easy. I bet when you got your hands on easier
1: video, I mean, that was probably like a candy store. It's funny. I was just talking to Brian about this because we're doing, we're kind of doing a comparative analysis between Huddle and. And this new program, Beach Data, it's not super new, but we've been using it. It's a check company. Um, and I, I think it's amazing. It's got an app for iPad. It's also got the desktop. Nice. Um, but in doing the comparison, like I've been around this sport since there was like no iteration of technology. And then yeah. all of a sudden it was like, it was, what was it? Uh, not Volley Metrics. Data da- Volley? Data Volley. Yeah. We were using that. And we couldn't. I couldn't pull information out and present it the way I wanted to because yeah. you just couldn't. The way they coded it was indoor. So I've been through like every iteration of it (laughs) and it's gotten way better, which is great. But like we don't, with our huddle, we don't use the statistical aspect of it Yeah. for some reason. We're not, we don't have that ability. The indoor does, we don't. So we have to create our own um, apps to pull the files and put the files into and pull the information out. Yeah. So it's kind of cumbersome. Um, But yeah, I mean, I probably didn't answer your question (laughs) off on a (laughs) tangent, but... Um, I think it's extremely important and I think more people need to use it in the beach for sure. Yeah.
0: Cause it's like, you get a player like, like try who is notorious for just sort of shutting his brain off and he's just like, oh, I don't ever know the score. I never know the tendencies. I just, just present just feels that's good. it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And is that, would you say that's better to have in a match or to be like thinking constantly be having that sort of background running?
1: Um, Melissa was a great example of a field player instinctual. Mm-hmm off the charts and then when we we brought the data you know and added it to what she was really good at doing it simplified things even more yeah you know because again and sarah's husband adam wrote a program for us Mm. it was off the charts best thing helped so much yeah but the percentage of the things that we saw happen it was like mel we're gonna put you here and you don't have to worry about these things just look look for two things and then look for the tendencies that give you those two things yeah She's like, what do you mean? It's like, the data doesn't support you should care about these other things enough <laughs> yeah. to look for them. And if they happen, let them happen. If they happen more than 30% of the time or three out of 10 times, then we, we can adjust out of our game plans. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, that makes it so much easier. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what the data is good for. Yeah, <laughs> you know? And then she would make plays on top of that because she was just so instinctual and read the game so well. But I think there's a good, it enhances, I think. If, like you, if you use it the right way. I don't yeah. think you need to, like, again, relying on it, no. And, you know, sponsor's was super instinctual as well. Yeah. You know, and then we're bringing more data to her, and she's like, sometimes it's too much, and she's like, yeah, it's too much. i like, all right, cool, back it yeah. down. I'll just give you a couple things here and there. It's fine. But it's, I think, it's helped her see the game better. Yeah. You know, which she saw already incredibly, you know, but if you can steal a point or two, we all know that's the difference.
0: Yeah. So. I'm sure, I mean, just the, the names that you've worked with, you've worked with some of the best players in the world for a pretty long time yeah i got a long list you've, i mean <laughs> i'm pretty fortunate no kidding yeah. well i mean you make your own luck in this sport i mean <laughs> it's, if you were a bad coach you're not going to be coaching melissa <laughs> and pavin and all like in yeah. the sponsors of the world i'm sure you've probably learned a lot as a coach over the years having worked with like so many of the greats because it's yeah. i think it's just such a good relationship between player and coach we the players are supposed to be the ones learning a ton from coaches, but I'm sure that you've learned a ton oh, over yeah. the years working
1: with the best in the world. Mm-hmm. I learned that I didn't know what I thought I knew about a lot of players when I started working with them. Yeah, you know, there's players that you know we work heavily on vision for offense, and based on how you know I'm not going to name names, but one particular player was running their offense and and moving things around. I assumed that that player saw everything on the court, like had <laughs> complete vision. And when I started working with the person, they are like, no, I just see the block and kind of get the block to do what I want it to do. I'm like, how? How is it not possible you don't see past? Because the dude jumped over here and you had to see that. He's like, I don't see it. It's like, holy yeah. oh, shit. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you learn You learn to not think you know very much. <laughs> yeah. You know? And just to keep... I mean, I learned so much from everybody. You know, there's different perspectives. Theo's a great example. Pavin's a great example. They saw the game at such a high level. Yeah. Remembered everything. Anticipated it happening before it happened based on the data that you'd studied beforehand. Yeah. You know, I mean, they she, she would make micro adjustments in games and you're just like, why'd you do that? Well, because six times ago, she did this last time we played her, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, I mean, you learn a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And working with all these
0: world-class athletes too. Uh, They're world-class because they're extremely good and extremely, in in some senses, like hard-headed in in a good way. I feel like that's the best, the best competitors in the world. They do what they do because they believe it's right. And sometimes like Stein talks about that with UCLA girls, like I recruit girls who want to push back against what I say. And then we kind of meet in the middle and you've worked with some of the best in the world. I'm sure that the emotional management of working with athletes has its own give and take as well, where it's like, you have your ideas and they have theirs. How do you meet in the middle? A lot of times.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, you got to know the people to know them as people and then know what you can push and what you can't push. Um, I don't view coaching as coaching. I view it as teaching, you know, I mean, to me, it's a learning environment. You're trying to develop athletes to best, to best your ability to do that. So, I mean, I always make the running joke is I don't walk into a math class or a science class at university, and the teacher's yelling at me. They're telling me to do this, do this, do this. It's like, there's an interaction, there's a collaboration you're learning, yeah. right? Hopefully they're gonna exchange ideas, and together you're gonna you know, get better at everything. So, I mean, to me, that's what's more important. You know? And you just, you exchange ideas. You get to know the people and what works with them. and You can be flexible within your system and create systems that work for them, mm-hmm. you know, as long as you keep the fundamentals the same. Yeah. And explain intelligently to them what you think. And if they agree they're like, oh, at least it makes sense. You know, you had a reason why you're doing something. You didn't just do it because somebody told you before. Right. This is how you learned it. Right. It's like you figured it out on top of that. So I think that's been the biggest piece is just collaborating with them mm-hmm. and then trying to teach what I know, which, you know, I learned too. So, you know, it kind of works hand in hand.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think your track record speaks for itself because I can't think of a single team you've worked with that hasn't turned out to be pretty exceptional.
1: That's a big word.
0: You're a good hype man. <laughs> I need to bring you along.
1: That's I, what we're here for. I would think, I, I would frame it differently. I would say that I think all the teams that I've worked with have developed and improved over the course of, you know, yeah. our time together. Um, and that's the end game, right? If they're getting better and continue to do, get better at something, then we're doing our jobs.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, I mentioned that Therese you know, she could win most improved three years in a row. But I think last year, one of the biggest improvements I noticed was in sponsor, uh, especially on the offensive end. And I know that you oh, have... You saw
1: that, good. You <laughs> <laughs> worked hard at that. <laughs> she was a totally
0: different player. And she was obviously an incredible volleyball player before. I mean, her and Kelly were the youngest yeah. team in U.S. history, you go to the Olympics, and she was Defender of the Year and all that. But, I mean, she leveled up. And so when you see a player like that... Is it, it takes like some courage to say, you know it here's where you are. I think you can be way better. Here's where we can make some changes. Cause a lot of times if you make a change to so an approach or an arm swing or whatever it may be, there's a little get worse before you get better.
1: Sometimes. Yeah. Most of the time.
0: Yeah. Is that, how do you navigate that as a coach or approach that? Because for me, that would be my biggest, uh, I'd be hesitant to do that. Like, You're amazing. I think you can be better. You're going to be worse for a little. I
1: promise it'll work. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, we do a lot of progression training, I'm I'm heavy technical guy, so biomechanics based movement based and stuff like that. So, you know, when you explain to them, this is why we're doing it, your body functions like this, it'll be better for you, blah, blah, blah. You know, they, they kind of buy in a little bit and then they start doing this stuff and understanding I can control my body. Mm -hmm. I can't really control the results, you know, but the more I control this, the more I control that, um, they buy in and they start trying it more freely. Yeah. Um, in the case of like sponsor, there's different level athletes as well, are tiered off right? Tier one, tier two, tier three. And even with inside of like tier one, tier two, tier three, I still think inside of tier one, there's elite athletes with a proprioceptive nature. Yeah. You know I mean? Their ability to control their bodies like that, because you tell them to do some, there's probably been like three or four out of all the athletes I've worked with that have that ability. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicole Barana comes to mind. She was one. I was just like, "Hey, I want you to do this with your arm to make the ball do." She's like, "Okay." Immediately did it. And I was like, <laughs> "Wow, that's really cool. Can you do it again?" <laughs> it was like repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. I was yeah. like, "Okay, this is going to be fun." You know. So, but the, there's not a lot of them that can do that. It takes yeah. work. You and know.
0: that's that's like when when do you try to make those changes? Cuz I feel like in-season changes
1: are so difficult to make yeah. preseason. season. Yeah. Preseason, preseason, off season, yeah, yeah, totally. You spend time doing it, and you got to build in. To me, you got to build into it. I mean, you can acquire the skill, then you can apply the skill, and then you can practice the skill in live live okay. environments. You know, and it's it's that progression I think that we we always go with in our system. Mm-hmm. And we talk to them about it. we're like, hey, you're going to learn it, you're going to apply it, and then you're going to put it to use. And we're going to have you focus on the process. We're not going to yeah. care about if you're scoring or you're winning this drill or any of that stuff. Um, and you're gonna fail and it's okay because it's practice. Yeah. But if you're getting better at whatever one or two skills we decided that we were gonna work on technically today, mm-hmm. then you won practice. And everybody else who was at practice didn't. Even though they may have won the score, won right. the games, they might think they won practice. But you're walking away going, I got twenty percent better, it's thirty percent better at this thing I was trying to get better at today. Exactly. You know, and inside the context of that, we might be restricting our athletes from doing certain things. Yeah. And the other team might not even know we're doing it, you know, but yeah. They're still trying to beat you. And you're like, hey, I'm just going angle. That's all I'm doing. Yep.
0: I love that. <laughs> working yeah. on this technique. That's all yeah. I care about. And then <laughs> if you're over it. there,
1: I gotta do something different, but I'm still working on this technique. <laughs> yeah. There's just so
0: many different ways to win at practice. Yeah. And if if you lose every set, but if you worked on your little angle dart that you're working on with whatever new arm swing, then yep. you won practice. You won. And it's April talked about that. I think the first time we ever had her on a podcast. She was talking about how she'll go through practices where all she's doing is working on different kinds of line attacks. Yep. And she's like, they could see it and know what I'm doing, and they could dig me 100 times,
1: and I think that I had a better practice than they did. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, they just did that. We had to practice against <clears throat> Betsy and uh, Julia yeah. last week, and it was funny because they were working on, they were working on uh, shots and pokes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could tell. And We were doing a competitive drill, and I was like, are you guys going to change what you're doing? And they're like, like that's what they're working on, like they're not trying to beat you. They're trying to work on something, right? Like fix it so that you're going to score on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like and then we're working on our stuff. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's April. What do you think? <laughs> right.
0: That's why I love it when guys be like, oh yeah, we had a great practice. Like we beat on, we beat up on these guys. I'm like, I wonder
1: what the restrictions were. <laughs> yeah. It depends on the team, right? Right. Yeah. Like a lot of players don't approach it that way. Coaches don't approach it that way. Yeah. I think that's the big that's a massive difference I think in the evolution of coaching in the beach versus indoor. Indoor's already at the highest level. Right. They've been doing all this stuff forever. Mm-hmm. You know, data driven all that stuff, biomechanics driven and they're teaching everything pretty consistently. Right. But they're they're thinking about that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. the context of 6 on 6 is way more complex. Yeah. You know, I think we need that education to trickle down into the beach. Yeah. You know, more coaches need to apply that stuff. You know. Well, where
0: I mean you you developed your coaching acumen throughout the years and years, but where did, where would you say that you kind of refined your beach coaching style, I guess? Cause there's no, as you mentioned, there's no real education system for beach coaching. No. It's just kind of trial
1: and error and build it up as you go. I don't think there's a, a massive leap <clears throat> technique wise between the two. Mm-hmm. I think there's nuances to it. Yeah. Um, But again, I also think that a lot of beach coaches don't teach technical aspects of the game, technical movements. And biomechanical things. It's yeah. more just take people through drills, get them doing a bunch of stuff, give them some cues about results based things like, oh, it needs to go a little higher, it needs to go a little wider, whatever, stuff like that. And the athletes are athletes and they figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because to me, the, the biggest indicator of that is tendencies. Yeah. You know, like we're watching video, we're looking at stuff, we're like, oh, they dropped their elbow here, they did this, that happens, blah, blah. If you don't create, Ways to fix those tendencies? Like, are you improving? No. The idea behind, like, why was Misty so good? Why was Karch so good offensively? I mean, I I got to practice against him for five years, so I figured it out. Like, that's why he's that good. And then we coached against Misty for years, and it was like, you can't tell anything different. Like, they're not showing you anything, and Mm -hmm. that's that's the illusion, right? That's there's no tendencies. Yeah. You know. So that's fundamentally where I kind of premise what I do. I was like, I got to teach everybody to look the same every time you're doing something, if you can, yeah. you know? And then if I don't give you anything until it's like fractions of seconds before I actually do something, I get a little bit of an advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I don't think that happens enough across the world, you know, because obviously I've been coaching against a lot of teams. that are the same and you know, they're doing anything different. Yeah. You know, they do what they do well, which is why they're that good. Right. But they're still doing the same things. You know,
0: I think that's the, the hallmark of an elite offensive player is that their approach for their line shot until the very last half second before hand hits ball, yep. it looks the exact same as an angle swing. Yep. And a lot of guys, I'll be like, that's what I love about commentating too, is that I just get to watch. Mm-hmm. I, just, I get paid to watch volleyball. right? And, I'm, <laughs> and so I'm just like analyzing because all you like as a commentator, all you're doing is trying to figure out the chess match of the game as it's going on. Mm-hmm. I think it's so fun watching that. And this is what he does. Oh, his elbow dropping here. Usually means this is happening, exactly. just tendencies.
1: Right. And it's,
0: I have a blast figuring that stuff out. I'm right. sure you probably have a Well, that's a lot why of I continue to that. coach, yeah. Yeah.
1: the game within the game is the only fun part about it. But yeah. Maybe that's why it's easy to detach emotionally, too, because you're like, yeah. We're playing a chess match. And are they making the right moves? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You're
0: the first person I've met who, uh, as a, well, first coach I've met who's talked about using a sports psychologist as a coach. Usually, players, I've only heard that in the context of a player using it.
1: Yeah, well, Lee Hancock's our guy. He's okay. been, I've been with him since I was at Dominguez. He helped with a one of my junior clubs. I kind of got him in, introduced into the game. Mm-hmm. And then he helped with the college. And then he started helping with my teams on the beach. Um, and he was a soccer guy. You know, MLS, college, stuff like that. So he had that background. He didn't know anything about what he was getting himself into. Um, but he learned a lot. And it, it the way he does things, I don't know, it's, it might be different. I don't know any different. You know, I've only worked with him. Yeah. Um so his background is teaching. Okay. You know, he's he's a professor over at Dominguez and he runs the PE program over there. So he approaches the sports psych the same way. Like he teaches the athletes what they need to learn about awareness, about you know, all these different things. And then he applies it, you know, and then we try to put measures in place of practice to enforce it and reinforce it. You know, and he's helped me tremendously because Learning what I've learned from him about sports psych allows me to reinforce the things that he's trying to get them to do Mm -hmm. on the daily at practice over and over again, just by how I frame my, my uh, conversations, the things that I say to them, very, very particular about how I, words, I don't say a lot. When I say something, I make sure that it's trying to frame their thoughts in line with what he's working with them on. Okay. You know, but it's not just him meeting with them. Like I'll meet with him. We'll meet as a group. You know, it's, it's very collaborative. You know, and it's, I think that's the way all sports psych should work with teams and they probably do in other, you know, um, sports, but yeah, I haven't encountered that yet. But then again, I haven't really worked with anybody. Yeah. You know, I know USA supplies it and it's just, there's so many people that they work with. I just don't think they have the time to do something like that. Yeah. It's very involved and he's at their disposal. They can text him, call him whenever on the road, wherever. And it's just like, you know, it's a lifeline. It's good
0: it's time to introduce you guys to a new sponsor of the show gooder sunglasses and these shades are 25 dollars, active sunglasses that don't slip don't bounce and are 100 percent polarized now i'm rocking a ginger soul they are hysterically all black which <laughs> it's just a funny name they have so many funny names for their shades. When you go on their website and you just scroll through it, you're going to find yourself laughing out loud. They got a ginger soul, the $9 pour over donkey goggles. They have some hysterical names and it's just a, fun, it's a fun company. The glasses are lightweight. They're perfect. Try and I are super particular about the the types of sunglasses we wear. We, we've ranged everywhere from all the brand names you've heard. And now we're with gooder and, and we honestly love them. You know, anytime we try out a new pair of sunglasses, the standards are very high. Where it has to be lightweight, they have to be flexible, they have to look good, they have to block out the sun. And Gooder checks all of those boxes. They look good, they're fun, they're affordable, 100% polarized, super lightweight, super stylish, and they don't slip off your face. So if any of those things sound like something that you want, well, Gooder is the one for you. And if you want to support the show and support Gooder and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving our podcast listeners free shipping on your first order. That's right, you're getting free shipping. From Gooder. So you can go to gooder.com slash sandcast. All right, that's gooder.com slash sandcast to get free shipping. And make sure that when you type in the code, you type in sandcast. That's all caps. So the code is sandcast with all caps. Okay, so Gooder offers also a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. We like all of those things. So find your pair at gooder.com slash sandcast to get free shipping today. So just go out. Best pair of shades you will get for $25, hands down. We're going to take a second to give a shout out to a new sponsor of the show. It is the Software Tournament in Navarre Beach, Florida. One of the prettiest places I have ever played beach volleyball. Now, why are we advertising for a tournament? It's on July 21st through 23rd in Navarre Beach, Florida. And they have put together a $17,000 prize purse. Yes, that's right. $17,000. The winners split $5,000 each, which is significantly more than if you win an AVP tour series. So software has put together a a very competitive prize purse. And then on top of that, the next day on Sunday, they're putting together a co-ed force. Minimum one girl is required. And the winners of that split three grand. So you could pop down to Florida one of the most beautiful places I've ever played win a couple tournaments and bam you're splitting 8 grand with your buddies that sounds like a good weekend to me now you've got to be on top of it though because registration for men's and women's doubles ends on July 14th 2023 you can go to software.com for player sign up all the tournament information you need that's at software.com registration ends July 14th the Low Division Force Co-Ed also has a $1,000 prize. So even if you're not up to that open professional level that this tournament is going to be attracting, there's still plenty of fun for you to have and a couple bucks to win. Now, it's Software and Navarre Beach Tattoo Company. They've partnered on in this venture. So a special thank you must go out to Juana's Pagodas, where I first learned how to play beach volleyball. Love that place. Special thanks to them for hosting the tournament and Navarre Beach Tattoo Company for providing a lot of the sponsorship, as well as Juana's, Navarre Beach Tattoo Company, Software, Bulldog Beach, Trash Can Unlimited, Select Physical Therapy, they are all sponsoring this event. There are still vendor spots available, so you can go to software.com to reach out if you want to be a part of this tournament. Should be a fun ride. I am stoked to go back home, play some beach volleyball, partnering up with my buddy Caleb Queckel for this one. So we're gonna try to win some money. But again, registration at software.com. For the players, ends July 14th. So I will see you guys down in Navarre Beach, Florida. Let's get Sauced. Yeah. Are you uh, are you a reader? No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, yeah. you I don't have, have time. I don't have time. but Yeah. <laughs> I just. I mean, between the amount of teams you coach and then you got your, your two kids, yeah, you're probably stretched yeah. pretty thin. And then I'm sure yeah. you're watching a ton of film as well. Yeah. Like all, <laughs> all manner of things. Yeah, I
1: got time to read probably in the planes, but I
0: don't, <laughs> I'd rather sleep. <laughs> yeah, or... I mean, it's those plane rides, man. Since I've like mostly stopped playing international, but oh my gosh, like flying back from Doha, a like seventeen-hour flight. Yeah, you watch like three movies, read like fifty pages of a book, and you look, and you got ten hours left. I'm like,
1: did you go to I'm the Maldives? Getting
0: off this plane. no, I didn't
1: do the Maldives. Yeah, that was a fun fifty-hour trip. No, planes, trains, and automobiles. That was ridiculous. <sighs> what was? Did you go east or west to get there? Uh, I think I went. I don't even know what the itinerary would be. Because it was we're... gnarly. I mean, I had to get my miles. <laughs> 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 yeah. I had to keep my status. So that trip was going to get it, no problem. So I had to like yeah. manipulate a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, it was some brutal layovers. And yeah, it was, it was rough.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, of all tournaments to go to, it mean, looked like a pretty good one.
1: Yeah. The last couple of days were great. Yeah. Yeah. The first, <laughs> the first part of the week was just dumping rain and winds. And then it would just go sideways. And it was like, what? What are we doing here? But that was the tail end of their winter yeah you know and then the last couple days was like oh hey it's vacation weather now yeah
0: Yeah. it was bonkers commentating that one because you could see when they would do a drone shot Mm -hmm. you could see it was just this beautiful postcard day but in the distance there was just this black (laughs) hole coming and then it would just like and then 10 minutes later it was a postcard day again like this is wild
1: the cool thing was you could see it coming yeah so I wasn't surprised. Like, yeah, I've got about 15 minutes, and then we got to run into the tents. <laughs> yeah. But when it came in, too, it literally came in sideways. Yeah. I just remember holding, we were sitting on the beach, holding the umbrellas behind us, not above us, behind us, because it yeah. was coming in and just crushing it.
0: And then once the rain turns off, then the the temperature goes oh, up about yeah. 200 degrees yeah. and everyone's hair is just, poof,
1: like, humidity <laughs> is 800%. Was <laughs> <laughs> it was gnarly. Yeah. Have you traveled this year? I have. I've gone to, where would I go, Doha. Doha's a tough one. It is. Uh, I just got back from Czech Republic. That was a rough week as well. Just <clears throat> The air conditioning wasn't working in the room, so the sleep you're supposed to get didn't happen. Yeah. And that turns into three days of no sleep. That's so, that's a tough one. Yeah. July's going to be a tough month. I'm gone all, all all month in July. But pretty good tournament, though. Yeah, it worked out to be really well. The girls <laughs> were jet-lagged pretty bad on the qualifier day, too. And they got through it. <laughs> And then they just they felt better and it worked out. They well. balled out in the quality. I mean they got in and
0: out of both matches like an
1: yeah. hour total. Yeah. They did well. They played good. And then man, they played awesome in the main draw. Consistent. That's we kept preaching the theme. Just That's the key. Serve good, play consistent, and you got a chance. Yeah. You know, That's teams that are winning right now. Those
0: uh those elite sixteens. I mean, you could as we saw, I mean, two teams from the qualifier ended up on the podium.
1: Yep. I mean three.
0: Anything could happen. The guys
1: too. Miles.
0: Yeah, if you include the guys. Yeah, Yeah. and then you have Duda and Anna Patricia. Duda's just, she's awesome.
1: I love watching Duda. She's That team should be in the finals every week. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I told Lucas while they're doing this ceremony. I'm like, you guys are supposed to be there like every week. Like, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Like, don't take time off. Just go dominate.
0: (laughs) It's crazy. I mean, you think, you see Duda, you're like, you should be about 33 years old given how much you've accomplished. Yes. It still blows my mind that she was voted the best player in the world when she was 18. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It's phenomenal. She's like the LeBron of beach volleyball. <laughs> yeah. Sweetheart too. She's great. Yeah. One of the nicest yeah. people. Uh, like it's so cool when you meet someone that good and they turn out to be one of the sweetest people in the world. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, AP is, is
1: too. It's funny. Cause like her encore demeanor, you wouldn't think. Right. You know, but when you're not competing against her, she's like just a big kid having fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, Kelly Chang said that, because
0: were you watching their, was it the finals in Tepic, or semis? I think it was the finals. The finals, no, when yeah, right. when AP hit one off Kelly's hands, and they called no touch, oh. <laughs> and so Kelly immediately just turns back and starts walking, and Patricia's yeah. got those wide eyes yeah. this big, and she was, and after uh, Kelly and Sarah won. AP like immediately goes up to her and then we ended up getting lunch with Kelly and Jordan later after they got back and she's like yeah and then afterwards we were just like playing cards
1: yeah <laughs> she's like she's the nicest person yeah we battled them in Vegas in 2018 I think it was, was it semis yeah in the semis and there were some stare downs going on yeah there were some massive blocks some yeah. Yahtzee balls you know between the two blockers that were going out a little bit and then we went to watch the next semi because obviously we're playing losers and winners And they were sitting behind us, and we just started, like, talking smack. (laughs) I was like (laughs) – this was, like, our first experience against her. I was like, oh, this is cool. This will be fun. (laughs) And she was playing with Rebecca then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was back in 18, yeah, that quad.
0: And that you were with Pavan and Mel?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Who were your – did you have a guys team back then? Or were you just –
1: No, that's a long story. Okay. (laughs) We won't won't talk about the USA policies that (laughs) – Oh man, are controversial right. to some of us coaches. <laughs> yeah,
0: I didn't. Even, I I always forget that because it's weird because like so many foreign teams live here, right, and train here, and
1: yeah, and then if you work and you use coaches from here,
0: right, right, and then we have the whole USA staff is Brazilian. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's tough to be a coach just because I was actually thinking about it my way over here that this is one of the few sports where being a professional coach is way more difficult financially and time-wise than a college coach. Correct. And you just, there's just so many, only so many teams to work with where you you almost like have to take the internet. Like if there's a top tier, say Canadian team that's here and they want to coach, like it's hard to
1: turn that down. (laughs) It is. I mean, in 18, I was working with Emily and, and Kelly and I was working with Melissa and Sarah. You know, and they've Emily and uh, Kelly got into the money mm-hmm. and it was a U.S. policy it was like, you can't take the coaching stipend and give it to someone it's still in place. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe you we should change the policy. Yeah. It's like, you're basically going to take their coach away from them that got them from 73 to like 12 in the world. And in a hurry too. in a year yeah, or less than a year or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> and they're moving in an upward trajectory. Now you're going to derail that because of some stupid policy mm-hmm. that they know it's like, you can't. You guys can't make a living, we get it. Right. But somebody decided they wanted to put that there as a policy, and then all of a sudden it, you know, detracts and it affected Evie too. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, he was working with the Canadian guys team, and he was like, drop him. And it's like, we're just trying to feed our families, guys. <laughs> right. You know I mean? I don't think the, it's different. It's not indoor. It's not like we're going and working with a setter from Russia or whatever. Right. You know, privately, and then we're working for the U.S. national team. Right. You know, so. Yes. And it's
0: and it's weird because the beach is so different from indoor in that the beach teams don't they don't root for for each other, not in the states they sometimes. root against. You, I mean, you almost have to root against because you're, you're playing against them, right? So cut through and you're playing for a higher stipend and and whatever. It's yeah. it's really strange. I remember when Reed when Reed made the transition to beach, he was originally trying to create this culture similar to indoor, where it's like USA guys lifting each other up, and they yeah. played in his first country quota, and he was like i get it <laughs> no Now I, I don't get want it. to help you yeah and i didn't i i couldn't empathize either because try always talked about it. he's like yeah i can't watch other americans play because I, ha- I have to root against them and i don't like i don't like doing that yeah they're so friends i just, friends. Don't, I just right. don't watch yeah right. and then i was like what do you mean you like don't root for him and then when i was traveling and i was playing in country quotas I was like i now get it as well now i can't watch any like i couldn't no. watch bill play because we were flipping back and forth for that 12th and 13th spot yeah. on the stipend and I was like, I can't, I don't want to
1: watch. It's diaper money, dude. <laughs> I know. It's like 500 bucks a month now. It's, it's a lot of diapers. <laughs> yeah. How old are your kids now? Uh, 13 and 8. Okay. Yeah, it goes by fast. It's what I'm told. Really fast.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Austin is like three times the size he was, and he's two months now.
1: Wow. He's, he's a fat fast. kid.
0: <laughs> he'll lean out. Yeah. DNA, he'll lean out. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at to me and D, I'm like, I think that he'll he'll stretch out, but yeah. right now his arms have like sixteen little rolls on oh, him. Yeah. <laughs> well, <he's> super new. <laughs> he's, yeah.
1: he's all just like cartilage now, it's all good. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's really funny. It's been funny to watch Delaney just go from loving playing, she's like, I don't miss it one bit. She just loves being mom. Yep. What was it? A transition like you for going from playing coaching and dad Uh
1: like well, i continue to do it right. so it's not like it's it's really no different for me i yeah. just haven't stopped um but no being a parent is it's amazing yeah it's, you know you can't ask for anything more you see your kids grow up and just experience all the things you get to relive life again it's kind of cool yeah um yeah but it goes by fast track right? yeah. <laughs> it's really Day's coming out too happy early Father happy Father day. father's day to you yeah, thanks your first, first one, one. yeah <laughs> anything special? What are you guys doing?
0: We are uh, just going out, probably out in Palos Verdes and just doing a little picnic
1: and commentating in the morning. Of course. And then, yeah. Yeah. You're like me waking up at all crazy hours right now. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you wake up at the nutty hours to watch the teams play or just wait for the replay? stayed
1: awake till 11 last night to watch them and then I woke up at five. I think it was this morning. Okay.
0: Those are at least semi-civil. Yeah, not get much sleep. Though. Semi, <laughs>
1: <laughs> single parenting, when no sleep is not easy. <laughs> yeah,
0: but the like the Maldives or the Australia's. Oh God, yeah. That's... Those the Maldives, the toughest. That was the toughest commentating I've ever had to do because it was I did, I think the semis were at like twelve and one,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then I did the gold medal matches, which were at three and four, Oof. or four and five, and I was like, do I sleep? Yeah, do waking. I stay up? Just pounded coffee. Yeah. And they'll just <laughs>
1: crash all day.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah So at least Father's Day it'll be I think the metal matches are five thirty, six thirty, seven thirty, eight thirty. So I'll be done by like ten or eleven oh, in the 30. morning. Yeah. Oh nice, nice. And then just got the rest of the day to cruise.
1: They're not going to give you the day off? no let's go volley world i love
0: commentating no i no. have so much fun yeah. I'd, I'd prefer to do it yeah like, i'd watch them anyway so you do better
1: doing. than most at it too so it's <laughs> thanks i can listen to them. <laughs> appreciate that some of them just like you just admitted you don't know anything about the sport and you're having fun learning why are you commentating <laughs> <laughs> it's like
0: what <laughs> i just i have so much fun just because it's a fun new skill to learn yeah it's now i get to take all the stuff that i've learned the podcast has been a tremendous help getting Mm -hmm. to know the players as well as i do and having to do the research to write and podcast with them and also playing has been a huge help and then now i get to take that and use like my education with the written word and try to now speak it you don't have as much time to think about the words to choose when you're commentating (laughs) no you gotta be prepared you have to be super prepared yeah big time because you can't you can't just you can't like edit what you say. Hmm. You have to this is it's your first draft. Your first draft has to has to be your best draft.
1: Yeah. You can tell who the good ones are too because they've done the research. Mm-hmm. And you can tell the ones that aren't because they just repeat themselves. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, "Oh, that's no new information. I've heard that already." <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. It's fun. I think it's made me a better player, honestly. Because it you have to think through a match on the fly, mm-hmm. and then when I'm playing, I'll literally wonder if I were commentating my own match, like what would I be criticizing myself for? I'm like, oh, I've sure served Hagen eight times in a row. And he it out eight times. And maybe we should give Logan a ball.
1: Let's do that. Yeah, it gives you a macro view of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, it, look, that's, we just joked about that today at practice. I'm like, oh, I saw this, I saw that. And they're like, oh, it's real easy over there. I'm like, it is easy over here because I don't have to like move. Like, <laughs> and I'm looking for different things. I don't care about the ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's good. Good perspective for it's you.
0: good that you can have you can, you and your players can kind of rouse each other a little bit
1: too. I think it's important to have be able to have that relationship. I mean, I learned one thing a long time ago when I was playing. I had my worst year ever, and came to the realization it's still a game. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have fun, you're not going to play well. Yeah, you know. So I try to keep it a fun environment in the context of being serious and, and learning. But you got to have fun. Yeah, you know. I mean, we're not getting paid enough not to. Right. <laughs> And even if you were
0: getting paid enough, it's just, I still don't think there's not hardly enough money in the world. But if you're miserable doing it, it's not worth to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, nothing's that serious unless you're dying. Right. Let's be honest. I mean, it's really not that stressful unless you're dying. Yeah. So. And we're, we're not dying in terms of no, no. having a good time. <laughs> Get some sun finally in the afternoon. Finally. Man, it's Six been months nice to
0: see that. I know. <laughs> it's been
1: wild. we have to switch our practice times to later. I know.
0: I actually, I really enjoy practicing in the afternoons because... That's when you play most of your the crucial matches, intense. Yeah. yeah, the matches that matter. You're getting, you're playing at three. Yep. when it's windy and it's sunny and things are kind of getting kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But everyone, like the women especially, love the eight a.m.s.
1: Like, when do you play at eight in the morning? I mean, from a structure to get things done. Yeah, and then get your rest for the next day. It makes sense. But yeah. I mean, how familiar you are with the like the European structures? Not very. So, I don't know all of it, but I've talk to enough coaches, and they all just kind of change it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Some of them do like a two-one-two, two, and they break it into sessions. They don't break it into, like, days. So it's an AM, PM, okay. AM, PM, AM, PM. Interesting. And they'll go, like, AM, PM, AM, off, AM, PM, off. So they'll take different, okay. like, modules, like if you want to call it, off. Yeah. And they're, But they're not killing themselves. So they'll go out. Like, in one of them, it's an afternoon. We're just going to go serve and pass. Yeah. You know, and that's it. So it's, a, it's an interesting to see how they like structure that. it <clears throat> where I think the Americans are different because, you know, some of them have jobs. Most of them do. <laughs> right. It's not all they do. I mean, if we could do that for our programs, I think it would be fantastic. Like, Oh yeah, hey, let's pay them all 50 grand and right. the coaches pay the coaches. Yeah. And then we can just do full time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the different structures around the world and how they all make them work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I love a good like afternoon KOB. Yeah. I think it's just one. you just well, no-jump with
1: everybody? Yep. A <laughs>
0: no-jump afternoon K.O.B. with Mesko. He's the king of that. He is the king of no-jump. So is Theo. Theo loves a good game. Um, you've Him become very familiar. We're doing it a lot. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like, once a week, I think they're doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it helps. It's good for... In the women's game, it's good for at least one point a match. Yeah. At least. Yeah. you know, And the Europeans are so good at it.
0: Oh, because... Well, every... Like, all the European teams I practice with when I do travel, it's like an hour of no-jump. Things mm-hmm. and then you'll do like half an hour
1: yep. of jumping, like stuff. thinking stuff while you're
0: yeah, yeah, it's and good, it's, it's, it's pretty a cool. ton of good touches. You're not beating yourself up. You can, you can do that six days a week if you oh, want. Yeah. You're getting footwork, all yeah. that
1: stuff. Yeah. It's,
0: I like it, and it's fun, and it's fun, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it keeps the vibes light, exactly. <laughs> who, uh, what coach did you work with in your plan? If you had it, I didn't, okay, no, um, who was like a thing back then, yeah, that's what I was actually wondering. Like, did any like, did Karch, did they have coach? He had a
1: guy, um, this guy Kevin, and he was a little strange dude down there. Yeah. Um, but he would help, you know, run through drills and stuff like that. You know, I don't know. Again, it's Karch, so, like, how much are you really going to help Yeah, teach him anything about the game? <laughs> Cause yeah. Because he pretty was, you know, so smart and so good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I worked with that guy a little bit, but it wasn't like I learned a ton. Yeah. And I learned more from watching the top players and getting on the court with them and listening to them. You know, that was the biggest piece. There just wasn't a lot of coaches out there. It wasn't a mm-hmm. thing because we weren't make, making any money and we right. couldn't pay them, you know, and nobody saw value in it. Casey Jennings made a really good statement one time. Um, I worked with him for a little bit and he's like, players don't get it. He's like, you get a coach because it's an investment. If you're paying the coach and you get better and you make more money, it was worth the investment, right? He's like, but people don't want to take the chance of doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. You know, if the coach is good and they're going to help you get better. Right. right? Who would you say influenced you
0: as a coach then? Like, who are some of the people? Beach coaches? Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't any, so
1: I didn't have anybody.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. like you said, you have a, a really strong, like you have a reputation, a good one, as a very technical coach. Yeah. Where if someone wants to learn how to do something technically better or more sound, Scott Davenport is the guy. Like, where did you learn just the, the technical stuff for beach? Cause it's such a, I don't know, like a free flowing it is game. You, there's just so many weird things that happen.
1: Yep. There is, I think fundamentally the body moves a certain way mm-hmm. and it moves safe, safely in certain ways. So the more you can ingrain the biomechanics of how the body functions relating to the sport, then you can be more efficient and you can enhance your athleticism. Um, I think from an indoor standpoint, um, like Tom Black, He's now in okay. Georgia. He was at LMU. He was at UCSD. Yeah. Uh, we played against each other way back when, he, when we were qualifying and stuff. And he's an insanely talented coach, you know. And I've had a relationship with him. So I learned a lot from him uh, when I was at Dominguez. He was at UCSD. And I would talk to him and I would learn like gold medal squared and stuff like that mm-hmm. and all other techniques and how it was data driven, science driven, you know. And I'm like, we just got to apply that to the beach, right? I mean, right. why aren't we doing that? Yeah. You know, so I just took a lot of time studying the data and so how can we do something similar and create systems and do these, all other, other, all these other things. But I wish there was more beach coaches back then that like had that tweak on things or had that yeah. approach. You know, I think if we, if we created a curriculum of, of education that taught that stuff that kind of merged the two, you know, it would be super valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we just don't have that. <laughs> yeah.
0: What, uh, I've heard gold
1: medal squared a lot. I don't know exactly what it is. It's a, a system of training uh, for indoor, and they've okay. been around for quite some time. I forget who initiated Except it. Is uh, it Rob Brown, McCowan? I think. Okay. Carl is one of the initiators, way back in the day, and Tom's been involved for a long time. He spun off a beach version of it with uh, John Mayer. Okay. Um, but I, I haven't participated in like any of their educational stuff, so I don't know like what they're teaching. Um, but yeah, it's it's clean. It's about systems, data. You know angles, movements, all mm-hmm. this stuff. Obviously, it's a more controlled environment, so you can kind of control those things. But I like the philosophy. It's it's really you know well done. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the big goal for you, Scott? <laughs> Any NCAA programs I want to coach? <laughs> I still love my teams. Yeah. And I want to you know help you get to Paris if we can do it. But um I'd love to take over an NCAA Not necessarily take over a program. I'd work as an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the travel is killing me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just getting tiresome and with the kids getting to that point where they're doing a lot of stuff now and you're gone, you don't get to see it. It'd mm-hmm. be great to, you know, be somewhere where you can get a call at home and yeah. Not kill yourself traveling as much and get more out of it.
0: Well at the at the rate that the game is growing at the college level. Going fast. gonna be openings. There already are. <laughs> and if you need a reference. I'll reference Scott Davenport. I appreciate. i
1: have <laughs> <laughs> got a long list of references. <laughs> I, think,
0: I think I'd be about the fiftieth reference on that list. Behind, I haven't worked about with you yet, Travis. You haven't
1: come to twenty fourth yet.
0: I do need to come. Did to you dri- 24th. you drive by a lot? <laughs> I like. I got my little scooter going by. I do. One of my favorite parts about being sort of like a, a nomad, where I don't have a coach, is that every time I get pulled into a practice with a coach, yep. I get to kind of listen to what those coaches say. Yep. So in a way, I, I get coached by everyone, even if it's just like. Like Evie'll say, Hey, I'm I'm working with the Taylors, but here's something I saw. Yeah. Or like, hey, I'm working with Evan and Troy, but here's what you can do. And I just get to kinda of like pick and choose a little bit. Have them. I ever
1: been that generous? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever I thought normally I'm just talking shit about my players and yours.
0: So what I usually what it's funny, like I'll set up I'll be sitting like near the coaches and they're talking to their players and they're like, This is what you should do on the highline. No, you're
1: just listening. Professional eavesdropping. <laughs> It's the Best way to learn <laughs> it is, it's the best way,
0: and I, I love like getting in to practices. Even with like, it's so funny to see all the different coaching styles. Yeah, you go, you start on first street, and you see Evie, he's coaching one thing, one system, and a style. Yep. There, you get to the pier, and Jose's working, and uh, he's doing a totally different style. Then you get to 16th street, and you see Mike Campbell working with Chase Buttinger on something else, and it's so many different. Ways of putting the ball to the floor. Mm-hmm. That's what I love. I just love seeing all the different approaches and seeing what works for me. Yep. It's, uh, it's just, and a, air. I love the creativity of beach.
1: Yeah. There's
0: a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's gotta be, is that a challenge for you as someone like analytically driven? Sort of, I feel like you look at things more of a an objective way of doing things in such a creative sport.
1: Again, I think you can create Inside of structure. Yeah. You know, and it's always my big thing is if you just purely go off of, I guess you can use to, Tom Brady as a great example, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't high draft. He wasn't the most athletic guy. He wasn't whatever, but he was very diligent about my footwork, this and that, and everything else. And because of that, he became, you know, the one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Yeah, you know, I just recently was talking to another coach and they're like, asked me some questions. And I was like, I referenced this video. Go watch Kobe talk about Michael. Yeah. like, what did he learn from Michael? Like Michael was great, but he didn't start like that. Right. He had all the talent and the ability, but like the guy put in a ton of work. He studied all of his opponents. Like he knew if you took a step to your right, you were going to do this. So he would, Mm. he knew based on the way that the team was going down the court, retreating to play defense, that there was a gap over here. And if he set himself up there for the pass, that he could run this move on the guy and score. Like that's like next level thinking, Right. So that took his ability and his athleticism and enhanced it because he was so clean on his fundamentals, you know, and clean on all the technical aspects of it. So to me, I don't want to say you're doing a disservice to your athletes because they're going to get where they're going to get, but mm-hmm. if you can enhance what they have yeah, by hammering home all those other things, they're just going to be better, Yeah, you know, and then they can be creative and do what they're really talented at on top of that, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah.
0: And is it, is it tough when your teams play each other?
1: I step out. Gosh, that's gotta be—it's <laughs> a rule. Just, I just—I don't give game plans. We just step away and we will let you guys battle. Yeah. Whoever's gonna play the best plays the best.
0: What's the What's the postmortem look like when you? Because you got to talk to one team, like Teresa and Sarah, great job. you're yeah. talking to Emily and Megan, you're like, ah, oh, sorry. Like,
1: it's <laughs> you usually so talk- you go to the losing team and you have like a debrief, and then it's not so long <laughs> with the winners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's pretty simple because you're talking the same language. You're, yeah. you're all doing the same thing, so it's really. It boils down to they made more, you know, players, or they, you guys made more errors. It really, it's all boils down to. Yeah. The end, you know? It's got to some... be like
0: watching your kids play each
1: other. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, it was funny, because last year, I think it was, they those two teams played each other, like, five times. All the time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, yeah, it'll work, you know, when you guys... We won't play each other that much internationally. Yeah. It won't work out, and, like, we're playing each other all the time. But it was fun to watch for me and Chris, because... They elevated their games and mm-hmm. played such clean volleyball that I was like, you know what? If you'd played anybody else, whoever lost that match, you would have won. Yeah. You guys were playing such good volleyball. It was fun to see. So for me, it's fun to watch, you know. But yeah, there's always got to be a loser, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. How has it been
0: getting this new generation of athletes coming in? Who were trained by the NCAA, where now you're working with mm. a sponsor. Well, is still relatively new to the game, but was trained at USC. And then Megan Kraft is coming out. She's like a polished professional. At, I mean, how old is
1: she? Like 20? 20, yeah. Been <laughs> 21 this year. Big birthday. Big birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the NCAA challenges are that they have so many athletes, they can't really do what we do. Yeah. You know, there's so many details and things that we can work on on the daily that changes the level that they're at when they come out. Um, I think the competition, uh, getting into the, the systems, you know, that they're, they're being trained in the travel, learning to travel, learning to eat right, you know, work out properly, all that stuff. That's a massive benefit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they're kind of told to do that so they don't have to be self-motivated. That's the big switch I think for kids coming out of college is like, got to do this on your own. Like, right. If you don't want to do it that's too bad you got to do it right and you got to make yourself do it so that's the big i think challenge for them is self-motivation not that they're not self-motivated but like you know sometimes you don't want to right you wake up you're like god fucking sore I'm really hurt i don't feel like doing it today right uh, i can't cancel i gotta go
0: yeah <laughs> but, and it i feel like it makes it in some ways it makes it easier because you are now paying your coach usc is now paying your coach correct. now if if you like that's out of your own pocket so you'd be short you'd be literally taking money out of your own pocket <laughs> right <laughs> if you it's get a different a kind of accountability right. yes 100%. <laughs> yeah. it's 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 a really funny transition because we talked about how like the coaching it's more stable to coach at the college level than professional but then <laughs> you get the best resources as a player at the college level and then you go to the professional level and you're like i gotta, I gotta pay my coach <laughs> yeah. like what? I pay my trainer I gotta do this and that. And I don't have all these things <laughs> given to me. It's
1: try trips about that all the yeah. time, <laughs> but I mean that's part of the initiation, if you want to call it that. But yeah, it's a good little rite of passage. I think it's important. I think we're seeing a lot less of that right now. Mm-hmm. You know, not that it's bad. I think it's good that the development program's in place, it gives them a place to train, learn things, um, but I also think it doesn't help them like know how to grind yeah you know and we all had to grovel we had to scrap we had to starve you know mm-hmm. how bad do you really want it yeah and you need to keep doing this every day because you want that dream well go do it you know that's but when you get things provided for you it's not as tough right you know so you don't uh you don't really value what what you don't work for right
0: and alzina has a really interesting theory that he thinks that nick lucena became as good as he <clears throat> did because usa for a long time sort of ignored nick and kind of kept putting other people above him, and he's like, "That kind of created a dog." And Nick was like, "I'm gonna prove you wrong." He's and, always had that chip,
1: anyways. Yeah, yeah so. so he'll he'll find a chip. Yeah, anywhere no. he needs right. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any any motivation, right? A good athlete will find motivation somewhere. Yeah. yeah you can make it up if you need to, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know that experience. I was with Nick in 2011 through. God, I was 14 or something like that. And he was already in the program at that point. Man,
0: so. you've worked with so many guys. I didn't know you worked with Nick.
1: Nick and Matt. We had to run to London, and it all it Curry. all ended oh. in Rome.
0: Oh my gosh! The last dude. tournament of the year. Furby was telling you tell us us about that. Oh, yeah, it's painful. Man, painful for those guys. So it was. Gosh, what was it though? It was like. Uh, was it Latvia?
1: Latvia and then the Jake and Rosie. they were up 14-11 on the third. No. Oh. And we're listening to the music. Because it was yeah. playing Born in the USA, and it was playing yeah. Eurotechno, now. And it was a lot of Eurotechno. <laughs> we're like, hey, this is good. They lose yeah. this. We win. We got a really good chance. Yeah. And then it started Born in the USA. started just going and going. Oh, and, my gosh. And Dave Dennis was in the stands, and he was texting. He's like, dude, 14-12. We're like, what? How do you give up uh. that many points? <laughs> you lost 16-14. What in the world? <laughs> yeah. Like, how bad could it be? So, yeah, it was a heartbreaker for those guys because they – they battled, and you know, Jake and Rosie just had a phenomenal year too. Yeah,
0: they ended yeah. as the uh tour champs. Yep, number one in the world. Yep. So that's, I mean, that speaks to how high level the USA was at back then. I mean, because I think, I mean, Nick and Furby finished like number seven in the world or something.
1: Something along those lines. And yeah. Missed out on the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, top ten, even top eight not going to get it done. Yeah, I think that might happen on the women's side this year too.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, right, the women's thing. Jeez, Louise. I mean, Therese and Sarah being number five in the Olympic race and third in the country, mm-hmm.
1: it's bonkers. It is. <laughs> I hope I don't get to experience that again. Yeah. I, I hope <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah.
0: it's, it's a fun race to follow. I'm sure it's, it's exciting for the as fans. someone who is not emotionally attached to yeah. any specific team. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, this is cool to watch as an American fan because you have, what, probably five teams in the top 20 right now and mm-hmm. three in the top five. It's it's deep. It is. Yep. It's, it's fun. It's going to be a good race. Up with. It is. Yep. And World Tour or World Champs qualifying ends
1: after Hamburg? I believe Hamburg's the last one, yeah. And it's a top 24 on points? Top 24 on points, your best six finishes out of all your okay. finishes. Got it. I want to make sure I add that right. So I think... It's it's pretty much solidified. The three the three spots are solidified yeah. on the women's side. Kind of the fourth is pretty tough to for Julia to lose it, mm-hmm. Julia and Betsy to lose it, but, you know, anything can happen. Yeah. You know, it just depends if, like, Megan and, were, and Tony and Savvy are there. Um, but they've got to get into the tournaments with the points. Yeah. Like, Betsy and them were fortunate that they had the points to start in the mm-hmm. elites. so they got finishes out of the gate, you know, so that helped them. But, yeah. It's always a tight race. It is always a tight race. It's fun race. to watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I know you have two
0: kids waiting at home. Don't want to take up too much of your time. That's summer
1: school, man. They're in. Summer school. One's in summer school. The other one, he's a gamer. He sits at home. Nice. I have to worry about him. So today a was break. a light day. That's a good break for dad. It was a good break. <laughs> <laughs> What's a typical day for you? Uh, get up, get the kids ready, get them off to school, go to work, spend countless hours at the beach, Yeah. get home, quick shower, food, go pick them up dad stuff the rest of the night whatever it is if they get activities or they got yeah getting ready for bed do it all over again your kids in the volley uh my daughter's starting to do it now at eight my son was into tennis and golf and then COVID hit and it ruined life for a lot of people yeah um but he just didn't re-engage because you know to wear a mask and go play and all that stuff so he kind of got into gaming and socializing online gotcha so he's just kind of into that now but yeah still yeah. in the golf uh he is a little bit top yeah. golf <laughs> top golf. hey that's it's still golf yeah. top golf is the new bowling it's angry angry birds golf it's different. yeah <laughs> it's a
0: little bit of game a little bit of golf It's right. new combo totally. yeah are you yeah. are you a golf guy
1: uh pretty bit i used to do when i had time yeah i would play a lot when i was playing i played a ton yeah um yeah i love it us opens going on i was
0: gonna say did you watch any of the open yesterday
1: uh, a little bit i saw rory say a double bogey but he had that whiff shot yeah in the last hole he swung under the ball and missed the ball completely never seen anybody do that he in hit a drive
0: 340 yards and hit a shot zero yards yeah
1: <laughs> then made a killer putt to finish it off right? and it was insane that's golf right there those, those guys they're impressive mentally
0: yeah like, and ricky fowler ending up in the like straw had to hit a shot over a bridge and still shoot 62 wow it's insane yeah i don't know if you saw that but you can watch no, that
1: but i just watched the conditions I got to play a course that was, it was the next level below. There was a tournament. It was in Menifee, California. There was a tournament there that week, and I got to play it. Okay. Like two days after it, so the conditions were the same as like for the pro tournament. Yeah. Ridiculous the rough, like this first cut, second oh. cut. It's like weeds. Yeah. Like how do you guys get out of that? And it's nuts.
0: <laughs> like you can see, like a yeah, guy like Brooks Kepka, like he's muscling Strong, through yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But some of them, you look at like Matt Fitzpatrick. Yeah. He's like five eight. 145 pounds
1: I'm like how are you hitting that out of the room they going break your wrist I know. it's not it's crazy but yeah no it's amazing they can do what they do in those conditions like like a u.s open conditions or even masters where it's lightning fast greens no forgiveness yeah.
0: have you been to augusta
1: i haven't i want to go i didn't know if uh well
0: have you been to beth page beth page is not too far from you if you're yeah, upstate new
1: york it's a pretty brutal course too So.
0: yeah i want to do beth because it's public
1: is it really yeah you can just drive Ooh. up and
0: play but you can't make it tea time. so, oh, so it's like
1: Tory Pines. You just show up. You just show up. Sleep in your so, car. Sleep in the car type oh, deal. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Might be too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> you still got a little road dog in Jeez, you. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll drive a camper there. We'll do. That'll be fun. Yeah, you do the podcast from there. We'll get some golfers. Oh, that'd
0: be sick. Right? Me, Lila, and, and Troy go, have golfer. talked about putting together an AVP Ryder Cup. That'd be cool. It'd be fun. Because there's a lot of, like, a lot of the guys are getting into golf
1: now. Yep. And could bring some of the older guys back. Exactly. who are really good, like Jake and Rosie. Yeah.
0: Rosie plays a lot of golf. Yeah. Jake plays a lot of golf. They have their little Lockheed, ladder cup. but
1: he's not around anymore. But he was... He's back in New Zealand. He was uh, a good... Oh, he was, he was like a
0: professional golfer. He was going for it. Yeah. He just
1: had it too, yeah.
0: That's it's a good athlete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like one of
1: the best players in New Zealand. Beach history like, Ah, yeah, I'll play some golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do golf too. Why not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he had done it, that would have been great because that's the real money. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Higher barrier to entry. A little bit. <laughs> but still, all the mental stuff. I golf with a PGA uh, Japan guy one time. And I was like, like, What's the difference? I mean, you're out there. I'm like, mm-hmm. Are you that much better or that much worse than these guys? They're like, We're all scratch. Yeah. I was like, then What's the difference, really? He's like, You got a six foot putt to make. You know, it keeps you in the cut or make- you make the cuts and go play in the money or you don't. Yep. You're standing over it and there's like some people around you watching it. And like, can you make the butt? If you make the butt, those are the guys that are in there. Yeah. I'm like, that's, that's how it should be in every sport pretty much. I think
0: golf is, because I played pretty much every sport under the sun. Yep. And I think golf probably taught me the
1: most lessons. 100%. All you players go play golf. Yeah. Even if it's just go to the driving range, do it. Yeah. Like managing your emotions, the mental mm-hmm. side of things, like playing Playing the course backwards and like each shot for its own, staying in the present. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. I reference golf all the time when I'm coaching. It's Most of them are like, the girls are like, good for life what are you too. talking about? Yeah. It's like, go play. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you'll get it. Just go play a little bit.
0: Yeah. Because golf, I mean, you're out there on the course for four, four and a half hours, but you're playing golf for about a minute and 30 seconds. Yes. <laughs> Everything else is up here. And
1: you're not playing anybody. Right. Like you're playing yourself and your swing and your abilities and yeah. your brain. Yeah, it's fun.
0: And that's what Delaney, she does not golf. She loves mm-hmm. top golf. But we watched the U.S. Open for about six hours yesterday. And <laughs> well, you watched it. Yeah. Well, she, she's so interested in it because of the mental side. Right. She's like, the ball doesn't move. Yeah. The defense doesn't move. No. Nope. There's no strategy against the players, and yet it's just
1: mental warfare yep. the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I was I got to go watch Tiger at a practice round at Riviera years ago. Okay. I don't know if you've gone and watched any rounds. Yeah. It's really cool to see how they approach it. Like, you Mm -hmm. don't see what they do. Like, they hit, like, six balls, go drop six wherever they think is the worst, the best, hit five, six different shots, and then you go watch them on TV, and you're like, oh, dude, he hit a ball out of the bunker, 220 yards, wrapped it around this tree, landed it to save par. Yep. But all he was thinking about was, all right, I know if I keep my elbow in and I don't let it flare on this swing, I got a chance of getting on the green. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. because he had all those practice shots like the preparation exactly. side of it, just the detail stuff like we talked about earlier right hmm so yeah it's fun it's a fun game
0: yeah I think I covered a couple US opens uh, when it was that congressional yeah um, when I worked for the Washington Post and w- going out there and like getting inside access to just watching their mm-hmm. practice rounds it's just next level level like, of detail who
1: was it Bubba Watson if yeah. you watched him in the practice course hmm were they betting Oh, always! How crazy was it? I'm gonna hit the shot and bounce it off that green over to this. I'm like, "What are these guys doing?" They're mm-hmm. just shelling out hundreds and an
0: obscene <laughs> amount of money. Yeah, those dudes will carry around so much money uh, in cash. Cash. <laughs> and cash. Just like Phil, put it away. I right?
1: It's embarrassing. <laughs> I'll, I'll carry your bag for like a thousand. We think. <laughs> yeah, I'll loop for you. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great sport. Everybody should go play it if you're playing any other sport. Yeah,
0: it's a good like good life lesson teacher. Yeah, it humbles you. It does. Like if you Fair can fact. manage
1: yourself at that game, you can play any sport. Mm-hmm. Everything else is easy. Yeah. yeah. That's
0: why I think, compared to that, I've found that managing the mental side of beach is really easy. Yeah. I think that I've built, I think the mental side is one of my better strengths as a player because of golf.
1: Mm hmm. <laughs> 100% agree.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scott, is there anything else you want to chat about? Anything we might have missed? No, I think we covered a
1: lot. We did. We did to get too deep into the bad things so we're
0: good (laughs) (laughs) well it was was overdue for a couple years yeah for sure and so in six years we'll have you on again
1: well maybe in 18 months we'll come back here and we'll be going to paris who knows yeah maybe yeah we'll make a deal when
0: when one of your teams when one of your teams qualifies for paris that'd be great it's gonna be a fight it's gonna be fun (laughs) was there anywhere
1: that people can follow you specifically oh i have an instagram but i don't know what it is (laughs) 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 i don't post really i'm too old for social media but so, follow my teams and maybe they'll tag me in something. Yeah. Like so you know.
0: follow uh, Troy and Evan and Sponsel and Therese and Stockman and Megan Craft. Yeah. And Chris Flood. Find... Chris Flood too. And Chris
1: Flood. Him. He posts a lot. to His yeah. generation.
0: That's good to know that he uh, is looking for kind of his own team because then uh, there's a lot of teams who just don't. There's just not enough coaches. No. Good ones anyway. Right. And Chris is. I think he's ready for that promotion. Yeah. Of, yeah, he needs it. He wants it. Yeah. You know.
1: He's getting to that point. He's
0: in. His, he's 30 now. Oh my God.
1: He's <laughs> getting over the hill. It's time to branch out.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man. Good to have you on finally. Thanks for having me. Good luck Appreciate to your teams it. this weekend and the rest of the year.
1: Thanks, dude. And Beautiful. safe travels. <laughs> we'll need safe sleeping travels. <laughs> safe sleeping travels. <laughs> exactly.
0: Shoot.